0: Well, now, joining me now on the phone is Marie Newman. She is a candidate for the 3rd Congressional District Democratic nomination. That's the seat currently held by uh, Democrat Dan Lipinski. Marie, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Good evening, and thank you, Rick.
0: Um, An election like no other. (laughs) Yeah. So, I I guess I'm curious, because... uh, how does a candidate this close to an election do the get out the vote effort when basically we're we're doing that uh, social contact distancing? Uh, you can't right. go door to door. You can't have a, a rally. You can do the phone banking. But how how do you how do you effectively campaign in this kind of an atmosphere?
1: Yeah, and not easily. But my amazing uh, team and volunteers have done it. In fact, it's quite unprecedented. We took a thousand shifts of volunteers when we learned that how serious it was Thursday, very late in the evening. We decided to effectively, in a 12-hour period, move our entire um, voter outreach program to virtual, so it would be um, you know online, social um, phones and texting. And so we took a thousand volunteer shift hours and moved them over effectively in a 12-hour period. So I'm enormously uh proud of this team my my campaign team as well as the volunteers that everybody worked as a team and got this done it was thousands of volunteers that you know just amazing group uh, that came together and made that happen so uh we've kind of uh written a new playbook here out of necessity but that's usually how it happens
0: yes it is and uh, do you have any concerns though about turnout on tuesday
1: yeah, I do. I First of all, we want to make sure everybody um, that wants to vote can vote and that we do it safely uh, with social distancing and making sure we're washing our hands and using sanitizer, um, staying far apart from one another and avoiding crowds. And so what I've been doing all weekend is um, using social media, um, texting, phone banking um, to let folks know um, that it's probably um, a little bit safer to go um, early vote versus waiting till um, when it's crowded at the polls. On uh, Tuesday. That said, um, everybody, I think everybody is well aware of this stuff. We're just kind of giving everybody a gentle mi- reminder to be safe. So, um, but I do think that we're going to have uh, fewer folks. So I, I wish it wasn't the case, but I, I think we're going to have fewer folks getting out, particularly folks that are very concerned, immunocompressed or, or, or immunosuppressed, as well as. Uh, uh, elderly folks. I think that they're going to be uh, very concerned and less likely to vote.
0: Just one last question along these lines: uh, uh, Should the election, I mean, should the election have been delayed? In your view?
1: Gosh, such a tough call. I know that um, Governor Pritzker and Mayor Lightfoot had lots of conversations yes. with us, with the, with the boards and all of the uh, leaders uh, in our state, and. Um, I think it was just a really tough call, and I really can't tell you again, we haven't had a pandemic since 1918, so there's not a lot of best practices to draw from here, uh, particularly when you have an administration that is uh, not operating as we would like it to without a, you know, I mean, uh, we still don't have test kits. Um, Vaccine is not very far along. We are uh, not getting great communication from the administration. So um, what I am buoyed by and feel very positive about is that the mayor and the Governor really acted quickly. We already had a population health and a community health crisis plan ready to go. Um, so um, I, I'm so pleased that they were ready for us.
0: And democracy moves forward.
1: Indeed, indeed.
0: Uh, so let's 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 talk about your race. Um, sure. This is uh, the second go round for you uh, after coming oh so close. Uh, two years ago, and it seems to me that that loss was basically the, the result of uh, long-time support uh, within a few wards in the city, uh, mm-hmm. part part of the old machine, as it were. This time, mm-hmm. you don't have that direct one-on-one competition. There's uh, two other challengers in the race with you. Uh, how do you see this thing cutting through? Uh,
1: good question. Uh, we'll know, on... and <laughs> well, hopefully we'll. But, you know, we'll know on the seventeenth, but maybe not. I think that there's a lot of. Um, mail-in ballots that probably won't come in. I, I would not be surprised if we don't know on Tuesday evening, uh, given that there's a lot of mail-in ballots. So, um, but if we do know on Tuesday, uh, we will know definitively how, uh, things went, but, uh, we are in incredibly enthusiastic. What we are hearing from our, uh, phone conversations and our data, um, all of our, um, 315 meet and greets, our, uh, community events, our, uh, coalition, and engage all 50 or 500 precincts. We have um, every reason to be very excited for Tuesday.
0: <laughs> well, and maybe in a related way, obviously, health care is, is a top topic in virtually every congressional district everywhere in the country, um, mm-hmm. and you have embraced kind of a, a modified. Uh, Medicare for All, that kind of a a, a phased-in approach uh, to getting there. And, I mean, it it seems like uh, there is no end date on when we might get there under your plan because it would just be kind of this evolving system. Maybe you could explain it.
1: Sure. So Medicare, um, as we now know it, would be expanded. And what we would do is add in things like uh, hearing, vision, dental, long-term care. Um, and the first thing that we would roll out would be uh, reducing prescription drugs. That is just absolutely critical so people stop having to ration their medication and go without it. That's, that's absolutely top priority for me. And then we would move it out, roll it out, um, uh, by demographic uh, groups. So with that, what that allows us to do, um, and you know, I'm, I've worked in the uh, healthcare industry. I have gone without healthcare. I have been in a situation where I haven't been able to afford healthcare, um, as well as consulted on uh, large national programs in healthcare that um, helps, help me understand the, the system in the industry. So um, if we roll it out in pieces, Um, and do some course correction with each piece that will allow us to make sure that um, with each piece rollout, we course correct and then roll out the next. Part of the problem with Obamacare, while it helped 20 million people get on the rolls and it was a very good start, um, it was rolled out in a way where we were not able to course correct each piece as it rolled out. And we rolled out most of it in a big, big chunk. And what I know about this country, both psychologically as well as logistically, when we try to roll out something, very quickly, it's not a great idea and usually it doesn't go very well. So that's why I want to do it in a regimented methodical fashion
0: maybe one where the website works kind of thing
1: right exactly and you know that that's exactly when we point to things like that now we did that and this is not a a, um a critique of anything The, the folks that rolled that out the democrats that rolled that out did an amazing job we got 20 more 20 million more people on the rolls by the way we would have to protect and support obamacare while we were rolling this out we can't just go without it right and so protecting obamacare as we roll out medicare for all will be critical to the mix here
0: uh, what about private insurance concerns?
1: Well, right now, everybody forgets <laughs> that our processor and our administrator of many of our Medicare pro- programs are uh, folks like Blue Cross Blue Shield and, uh, and uh, Unite Healthcare. So we are going to have to keep them around for a while. And what is good about doing uh, pilots and rolling things out in a regimented fashion is we can find out what's working and what's not working. Um, so if, if they continue to do a good job and they act as a vendor to um, the federal government to process and uh, do things that will uh, make Medicare better, um, then we can use them as a vendor or a contractor. I, I'm not a, at all saying that they can't exist. I'm saying that we must have a uh, program that is for everybody, not just for some, because all of these other programs um, don't do three things at Medicare. We know Medicare for all, study after study after study after study, literally, um, that it is the only program that will bring uh, costs down, preserve the quality of our care, and provide choice. With every other system, where we have restricted networks.
0: Marie, I'm going to have to leave it there and for during this okay. break, and we'll come back and talk more. Sure. We're speaking with Marie Newman of LaGrange, Democratic candidate for the 3rd Congressional District. I'm Rick Pearson. This is The Sunday Spin. Now back to the Tribune's Rick Pearson. It's the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline Studio. Joining me on the phone is Marie Newman of LaGrange. She's a a Democratic candidate for the 3rd Congressional District. Uh, Marie, I I wanted to ask you about the, the district and the demographics and the district and the ideology. I mean, we've seen... Uh, many of the congressional districts in, in the suburbs, places that were traditionally more conservative, we saw in the midterms, we saw two uh, suburban ex-urban seats flip from longtime Republican hands to Democratic hands. What, do you, what is your view of the ideology of the southwest side and suburban third congressional district?
1: there's an ideology. I wish there was. <laughs> it might make it a little easier. Um, but I, I think what we all have in common is people... Uh need real solutions with specific and not pl- specifics and not platitudes. Um, I think that uh, what's resonating in the district is that I have a real health care plan, not just a series of bullet points, that um, I have an affordable uh, plan that actually works and is based, in fact, and reality. Um, I think that the other things that resonate is that I have actual economic proposal, things like paid leave and universal child care, um, raising wages and empowering unions with real Solid ideas that are actionable and practical, um, and I think those are the things that the district really cares about: is working families in the middle class, right? Well, and it, so that's the piece that binds us all together.
0: And and I think I think jobs are are, are a big yep. concern as well.
1: Yep. Yep. And. Um, so that's why um, I, and I have a background in uh, transportation as well. So I have worked on uh, transportation issues throughout the years in my consulting practice. And here's what I will say is that um, we, in 15 years, we haven't had a transportation plan. So I wrote one for the district with its priorities listed and how we would approach transportation. And the number one result and the num- number one objective and number one result is uh, jobs. Um, because we do need, we have aging infrastructure, we have um, transportation deserts that des- desperately need to be solved. So that's why I wrote the transportation plan and made it very actionable um, so that we can, the day one, uh, we can get moving on that.
0: Well, it is it is a very transportation-heavy district. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean... You know, if if the long-talked-about federal infrastructure program had ever come into place, um, I mean, I, I can't think of a district perhaps more in need of that than than the third congressional district
1: you know what i actually think that an interesting byproduct of this horrible crisis that we're in will be that um, part of the stimulus package the first thing on the docket will be an infrastructure and transportation plan um that will create jobs much like the new deal did you know i, I think that that will actually be how we'll get the con- the uh, economy stimulated because we, we will go into a recession there's absolutely no doubt
0: if we're not there already
1: Right, I mean, many economists are already saying they were there.
0: Right, um, so I mean, one of the congressman's arguments is that he's been on transportation. His father was on transportation. That a newcomer coming in that the the, the district would lose clout when it comes to transportation and infrastructure.
1: So I respectfully um, disagree, and that's not based in fact in any way. Um, there's no facts behind it whatsoever. So, uh, first of all, we are we have more lines of track in our district than any other district in the nation. A, B, um, we have a long history of the uh, the member of Congress in this district. Uh, sitting on that uh, committee. So there's a lot of history there. Um, And then third, I actually have experience in it. So there's no reason to believe that um, we wouldn't have me on that. If I were lucky enough to be elected, we wouldn't have me in that um, seat on that committee. Yes, it would um, probably require um, a lot of requests and a lot of work and collaboration to get that done. But um, there's no reason to believe we couldn't have uh, the new member of Congress sitting on that. And with the same, amount, when what I might add is that when we say clout, I want to be really careful how we define that term. Right? Is that we are lucky enough that in 2004, the Create Project was um, delivered, and it's a great and wonderful and very well, uh, very effective budgetary tool that is a, a fund that allows us to fund projects throughout Illinois 3 and Northern Illinois. Um, and actually, uh, Dan's dad worked on that and we're all blessed to have that. Um, but many, much of the work that has been done has been the result of the CREATE Fund and not necessarily uh, federal dollars that have been brought in by the Congressman. I, I just wanna be clear on that and that's very uh, findable <laughs> information.
0: Uh- a lot of talk, as there was uh, two years ago when you ran about uh, the issue of uh, the congressman's social conservatism, uh, particularly when it comes to uh, a woman's right to have an abortion. And maybe that's what I'm kind of curious about when it comes to ideology. and yes, you're right. there's no unifying ideology that that unites a a, a congressional district, but right. but but you know in this time is this district a pro choice district
1: yeah 71% of the district is pro choice and there's no denying that it is what it is <laughs> you know i mean um i my my issue with that is that um dan frequently does not vote in the interest of the district, he votes in his own interest. And that's the real issue here is that, so if 71% of the district is pro-choice, he should be voting on um, pro-choice. Uh, and it's as simple as that.
0: Is, 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 has there been too much attention made of uh, women's issues and, and, and right to choose in this, in this campaign? Is it overshadowing things like we were talking about, like jobs and health care and uh, infrastructure?
1: Well, two things. First of all, the issue of a woman's right to choose is very important because it's both an, a, uh, an issue that um, supports women, but it also is an economic issue. Um, so it is an important issue. That said, Dan is the one who brings it up all the time. I never bring it up. He likes to talk about it a lot because it's his number one issue in his value set. For me, it is one of many issues. Jobs, health care, immigration, um, transportation are very important to the district. So it's very important to me. He can choose to bring up whatever he wants, but um, I'm here for everybody.
0: Uh, briefly, let's let's talk about immigration. I mean, I, to me, this is mm-hmm. just the grand political football from, you know, how close things seem to be when the uh, Gang of Eight had a plan in 2013 to how mm-hmm. uh, immigrants have, uh, you know, are, are bearing the brunt of just being a, a, a political football. What What are you looking at as far as immigration?
1: to Uh, I obviously believe that we should treat everyone with respect and dignity and support uh, immigrants in every way that we can. Um, This nation was built by immigrants, obviously. I believe in a pathway to citizenship. We need to stop family separation, get rid of cages, um, and uh, stop all of the um, horrible treatment of uh, folks crossing the border. Um, So that's one. Um, There are some very practical things we can do right away. Um, We have to remember that um, support DREAMers, um, so DACA and DAPA, is a very important moral issue for this country, and it is in our value set, and it should be protected. But it is also, if you're not going to do it for moral reasons, and you should. You should be doing it for economic reasons. If dreamers um, are uh, taken out of our work stream, it will be very dangerous for the economy. Um, and by the way, there have been many documentaries about if um, immigrants uh, were taken out of our uh, out of our economy, um, our food service, our food system would basically collapse. So, um, what I would say, particularly in the era of a pandemic. We should be uh, treating immigrants with respect and dignity. Pathway to citizenship, protecting Dreamers.
0: Well, I'm wondering, actually, in light of you know the announcement about uh, closing bars and restaurants uh, starting mm-hmm. Monday, if there isn't going to be a disproportionate effect on the immigrant community.
1: It absolutely will be. Um, this is a uh, you know again, let's look forward and figure out how we can support them, but let's be. Uh, Let's create a system, um, a a network of systems that will support all of those folks, because they will be disproportionately affected dramatically. Um, Those folks, uh, the the folks that um, have come here recently or um, work in our food systems, restaurant systems, all of those, frequently live paycheck to paycheck. And so... um, Things like the emergency um, paid leave packet, the package that um, our uh, the House Representatives voted for on Friday, that Dan decided to not take that vote. Really tough. I, I can't imagine being the Congressman of Illinois three and not taking the vote on the coronavirus, uh, coronavirus package.
0: Marie, that I got a Marie. I'm sorry. I'm gonna. Oh yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. I have to leave it right there. That's Marie okay. Marie Newman, Democratic candidate in the third congressional district. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Rick.
0: We'll be back with more right after this.